0: Thank you, Kenny, for that. That was uh, that was just amazing. It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul this morning? Amen. Praise God. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It is uh, it is a nice cold Sabbath, but I'm I'm hopeful that the sun will come out and warm us all all up. Uh, today we are we are delighted to to have the Sabbath program for. For Rise Up, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, this name change uh, when, when we do our 11 o'clock. But we wanted to start early this morning. For those of you who love mornings, how many of you love Mornings. Yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes. I knew, I knew you'd love the morning. It, it's, uh, it, it is, I, I'm not a morning person. I, I'm, I'm more of an evening, night person. But as I get older, I've become more of a morning person. But um, praise God that he's brought us here together. And we'll start off by doing a couple of praise songs. Thanks, ladies.
1: Is the day of salvation.
2: Anyone here into cold showers in the morning? Oh, there's a few hands. My friends of F5 Challenge turned me on to this. And there's nothing like doing a cold water plunge. Now, I would much rather do a cold water plunge than doing a cold water shower. But under the circumstances this morning, I didn't have a chance to do a plunge, and so I did a, a cold shower, a hot cold, and it just invigorates the body. So I want to encourage you. Try it. And it gets easier as you do it more and more. Anyways, I'm going to begin with one more prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you for life and health. We want to praise you for your Sabbath day. We invite your presence to be here as our honored guest. And I just pray that I would be a mouthpiece, and you would speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Now, I live in Roseville, California with my wife and kids, but my office is in Olympia, Washington. So I actually fly back and forth each week. I know it sounds odd. I'll explain a little bit more in the afternoon. This happened just a few years ago. This is my office. I got a call around seven in the morning. I believe I was having devotions in my room, and when I get a call from the office, it's never good news when you get a call in the morning. They're not calling you to say, hey, we want to wish you a great day. Something has gone wrong. Usually somebody is sick, there's a problem, and they let me know that there was water damage in the office. This was a day or two days after Christmas, so we were out of the office for five days. And they said that the pipe is busted or something, and there's water damage. Who here has experienced water damage before in your home? Okay, you see the hands up there? About half the hands. If you haven't experienced water damage at one time or another, it just means you're not old enough. Because in life, you have death and taxes, and water damage is guaranteed. I'm 49, I've experienced water damage multiple times. And so I know what to do. You get a shop vac, vacuum up all the water, stop the water flow, of course, pull up the carpets, get commercial uh, fans, and start drying it out. So I told my staff, cancel only the morning patients. Do not cancel the afternoon patients so we can take care of the water damage. And they said it's more extensive than that. This is not some tiny little bit of water damage. This is serious. So I get on the computer, and I look up on Google to find mitigators those are the people who come and do damage control. And I looked on Yelp and someone had really good reviews, I called them, within a few minutes they called me back, and we had agreed to meet at the office. And my office is about 30 minutes from my home, so I'm gonna head down there. As I'm driving down to my office, can anyone guess what was going on in my mind? Anybody? Anybody? What am I thinking as I'm driving to my office? How bad is it, what else? anybody how much, is it gonna cost? how much is it gonna cost now I'm gonna tell you this when I ask this question no one gets the answer right the only person who got the answer right is my identical twin brother okay he's the only one who got it right anybody else want to make a guess of what I was thinking as I was going down to the office you spend what's that you won't, spend with you won't spend Christmas with your family well I like that what's that what kind of guys are going to come. These are all great answers. These are all the typical things that normally might be going through your mind. Uh, Yes. How long am I going to be out of work? work? Very good answers. So I'm going to tell you what was going on in my mind as I'm driving to work. Does anyone know what the four most oft-repeated commands are in the Bible? The most repeated commands. Often I will do this as an icebreaker. I've never had anyone share the correct answer of what the four are. They'll say things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. That's an important command, but it's not the most repeated command in the Bible. Does anyone know what the four most oft repeated commands in the Bible are? Okay. Usually they'll get the first one, which is do not fear, but most people don't get the second, third, and the last one, which is give praise, give thanks, and to rejoice. The simple definition of rejoice is to be happy. Just think about this. These are the most oft-repeated commands that God gives us. They're not prohibitions. They're not thou shalt not. It's not about money. But the four most oft-repeated commands are for our own happiness. God wants us to be happy. And as I'm driving down that road, I'm reminding myself of God's commands. And I'm telling myself, that no matter what happens, I'm gonna give praise and I'm gonna give thanks. All right? Because see, in life, we will face tests, and the tests will come in the form of opportunities or trials. And unless you are determined in advance, and your character is set on how you're gonna react, you don't know what you're gonna do. Tell a quick parable. This lady walked into this swanky hotel, and she gets into the elevator, and there's a very distinguished, handsome-looking gentleman standing in the elevator. And as they're going up in the elevator, he says to her, would you spend the night with me tonight for a million dollars? That's a lot of money. And she was taken aback. She had never been propositioned like that. I mean, she may never have to work again. So she stammers, Yes. As the elevator's going up, he says to her, would you spend the night with me for half a million dollars? Well, that's not a million, but it's still a lot of money, isn't it? Is half a million dollars a lot of money? So right now, she's got money on her mind. So she says, yes. As the elevator goes up, he says to her, will you stay with me tonight for $100,000? It's no million dollars, but it's still a lot of money. So she says, yes. As they're getting closer to the penthouse, to the top floor, he says to her, will you stay with me tonight for $500? She's incredulous. And her reply is, what kind of a woman do you think I am? To which his reply was, we've already determined that. Okay, you see? See, when you face a test, it only reveals what your character is. The tests don't help us to build our character. It's the quizzes along the way. So before you are faced with a trial or an opportunity, you want to set and determine in your mind how you're going to react. So while I'm driving to the office, I have no idea what to expect. I told myself, no matter what happens, I'm going to praise and thank God. And I get to that office. Every square inch of that office was flooded. Now, we had been gone for five days. I don't know if the pipe broke the night before the call or if it broke at the beginning of our vacation, Christmas vacation. But every square inch of this office is flooded, and you can see the carpet is now bubbling up in the hallway. And all I could say was, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The mitigators come, and he tells me, it'll be minimum two weeks just to clean up the water mess. Just two weeks. Just to clean up the water mess. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I've got patients to see. I've got staff. I've got expenses. I've got hungry mouths to feed. Two of them. This can't be happening to me. Tells me that at a minimum, I will be out of the office for two months. What am I supposed to do? My neighbor is an Indian guy, good friend of mine. He's a dentist. He's Hindi, okay? He's not a Christian, he's Hindi. His pipe broke, or something, he had a water leak while he was in the office. Do you know how easy it is when you're in the office and you have a water issue, what do you do? Turn off the water valve, mop it up, and you're done. And I'm thinking, you know what? I pay my tithe, I'm an elder in the church, I teach Sabbath school. I do a lot of volunteer work for F5 challenge. Why is this happening to me? And Satan starts to put those thoughts into your mind, right? And every time I have to say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Could God have stopped this water damage, yes or no? You all agree? Would it have been hard for him to stop this water damage? So it's not even hard for him to do this then why would he do this would he have to even do it himself could he send an angel to just put a finger on that pipe and hold off until we came back to the office could god have done that then why didn't he do that for me see when you face a trial or difficulty you have two options one is you can get angry and upset at god when you don't have answers or the other option is praise him and thank him anyways those are your only two options. And I had determined, and whenever they would give me bad news, and they'd tell me things like, it's going to be two months, it felt like I was getting sucked in the stomach. Like Oh, and I be like, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have no idea why this is happening, but I'm going to just praise you and thank you. Anyways, I want to share with you three points that I don't want you to forget from this message. And this one right here, actually, read this carefully with me. Our heavenly Father measures and weighs every trial before he permits it to come upon the believer. He considers the circumstances and the strength of the one who is to stand under the proving and test of God, and he never permits the temptations to be greater than the capacity of resistance. Don't ever forget this, that when you go through a difficult time, that God has already measured and weighed, and he goes, you know what? I think you can go through this. I'm going to let this happen to you, just like he did with who in the Bible? Job. Right? He goes, I know Job can handle this. So, When you go through difficulties, claim this promise that God believes in you. Now, one of the things that I'm always trying to instill in my F5 members is this mindset that it could always be worse. Every year they pick a country that they consider to be the happiest country in the world. In 2017, it was Denmark. And um, Denmark has long, harsh, cold winters. And these people there are happy. Can you hear me? Dave have asked me this. Okay. And the people in Denmark are happy. Why is it that they can be happy when they're living in such harsh conditions? One of the things is they have a default mindset. It could always be worse, no matter your situation. It's an attitude of gratitude. So if you don't like your speaker for the weekend, I just want you to remember, it could always be worse. Now, some of you guys know the story about Aaron Ralston. He was a guy, he was in Utah, and he got his arm stuck. He had to cut his arm off to save his life and walked out of there. They made a movie about his life. This girl, Claire Champlain, she was in a, a reality TV game show. She shot a watermelon, flung forward, and flung right back and smashed her in the face. A number of other stories, a gal, she was bungee jumping, and she, her bungee broke. She landed in crocodile-infested waters. She broke her collarbone and barely made it out without getting eaten alive by crocodiles. When they asked these people and a few others about their experiences, they all said the exact same thing. Do you know what they all said? It could have, it could have been worse. So I want you to adopt this mindset. When I'm having a bad day, I think about 15 years ago when I was going through the hardest time of my life with a health crisis, and I just wanted to die. I was so miserable. And so when I'm having a bad time, I just think about how it could have been, and all of a sudden my problems dissipate, all right? Now, by the next day, they had gone under the crawl space and they're pulling out all the insulation because it was soaking wet. God bless these people who do this job. It's the last thing I'd wanna do is go under crawl spaces where there's spiders and start pulling out. It's a pretty, it's a rough job. Someone's done this before. It's a rough job, but regardless, could always be worse, right? There are worse jobs than this. And it's amazing how quickly they work. They pulled all the carpet. Justin knows he's a contractor. They're pulling the She-Rock. They say that the mold will set within, I forget, 18 hours or something, 12, 18, 24 hours, and they've gotta start pulling everything. And you can see, we had to move everything out of the office, out. Everything, so they can start to do damage control. Now, I want you guys to read this with me. Too often we grieve the heart of Jesus by our unbelief. Our faith is short-sighted. And we allow trials to bring out our inherited and cultivated tendencies to wrong. When brought into straight circumstances, we dishonor God by murmuring and complaining. Murmuring and complaining is the antithesis or the opposite of praise and thanksgiving. How many of you guys here like to murmur and complain? Okay. Oh, we have a few honest folks. Most of us are all guilty. Every one of us are guilty of having murmured and complained in our life. I'm a recovering murmurer and a complainer. What leads to it? It says our unbelief or lack of faith. Faith is kind of the opposite of, the opposite of faith would be fear, right? And so when you have a lack of faith, it manifests itself just like when you have COVID, you have symptoms. When you have a lack of faith it manifests itself in physically murmuring and complaining you know what you see with people who have a lot of strong faith you know what we see them doing praising and thanking the lord now watch this here from the pen of inspiration you know god leads the children of israelites he fights for them he parts the red sea miracle after miracle Nevertheless, when the spies saw the walled cities in the Promised Land, they allowed unbelief, a lack of faith to enter their hearts. They returned to the congregation with a faithless report. And what's the result of their lack of faith? The record tells us what effect their murmuring had. So when you're struggling with faith, the natural tendency is you're gonna to start to murmur and complain. The murmurings of the children of Israel were unreasonable. And the unreasonable always go to extremes. They uttered falsehoods. What's, what are falsehoods? Lies. You know when the children of Israel faced all the little serpents, and if you got bitten by the serpent, you died? We're all familiar with that story. Do you guys know why God sent those serpents? We're told the Lord permitted fiery serpents to bite them to punish them for their ingratitude and complaining. Do you see how offensive this is to God, murmuring and complaining? Why is this so grievous to God? Yes. beautiful, okay? God gives us promises that he will take care of us, and he's shown us all along that he's taking care of us. And when we tell him, when we murmur and complain, what we're telling him is that we don't trust him. Do you know what you're calling somebody when you tell them you don't trust them? You're calling them a liar. That's very offensive when you call somebody a liar. How do you think God feels? And so this is the reason why God sent the serpents, to bite the Israelites. Where did this murmuring and complaining originate? That's right. It began in heaven with Lucifer. He goes around insinuating, tending to cause doubt. And the problem is dissatisfaction is contagious. We humans like to do it because momentarily it makes you feel good. Have you noticed that one person starts complaining and someone else starts complaining and pretty soon it gets toxic and everyone's complaining? What is the opposite of murmuring and complaining, everybody? Praise and thanksgiving, okay? So you'll see it right here. This victory, instead of inspiring gratitude, which is thankfulness, and leading the people to feel their dependence upon God made them boastful and self-confident. Soon they fell into the old habit of murmuring. You see how they're antithetical to each other? You're going to either praise and thank God, or you're going to murmur and complain. Faith manifests itself in praise and thanksgiving. There are two times to be thankful. Who knows what those two times are? Yes, Sarah. something goes wrong, something goes right. Sarah, you're amazing. That's absolutely right, okay? I'm going to phrase it just i'm going to phrase the same thing in a different way when you feel like it and when you don't the bible tells us in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you all right you guys i know you'll get this one okay sometimes i have the audience stare at me blankly okay you'll get this one okay there are two times to praise the lord when are the two times to praise the lord When you feel like it and when you don't, I could tell I have a sharp crowd. That wasn't hard, right? It's like basic algebra. Okay? A plus B, B plus C, A equals C. Love it. The Bible tells us from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. We are to praise his name at all time. I know you guys have been doing mission work all week. You guys are sleeping in rooms together. Was your roommate snoring so you couldn't sleep? People are smiling. Hey, praise the Lord. They're breathing. They are alive. For those of you who are married, when your spouse, your husband cooks something and he, he burns the food, praise the Lord. You got a husband, okay? Someone cuts you off, you're driving down the road. What is our natural tendency? Do you get angry and upset? Praise the Lord, they didn't hit you. You have so many things to praise and thank God about. We're told in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Is this difficult for some of you, though, sometimes? I mean, let's think about it. We live in a very painful world. There are some painful things that happen. Can we really give thanks for everything? Second point that I don't want you to miss. I want you to read this very carefully with me from the pen of inspiration, Okay. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This command is an assurance. An assurance is like a promise that even the things which appear to be against us will work for our good. God would not bid us thankful for that which would do us harm. Is that an amazing promise? We don't understand why things are happening the way that they do, but are we willing to trust Him anyways? So I want to share with you some of the blessings and challenges. Right away, we had to move everything out. Where are you going to put all your stuff? I'm going to have to get like a storage shed to put all my dental equipment and furniture. One of the business offices right across the parking lot from my office, down at the end, was vacant. And my landlord said, we can move everything all into that vacant space where it's going to be nice and dry. You know, with the storage shed, It would be difficult and challenging. But we were able to move everything into a vacant spot. What a blessing. Some of the local dentists heard about our plight, and they said, you can use our dental office. My neighbor goes, you can see your patients on Monday at our office. Another dentist, I went and visited his office. He goes, well, you can see your patients here on this day that we have off. My landlord, who's also a dentist behind me, he goes, I only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You can see patients in my office on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's a huge blessing because seeing patients for one day in somebody's office well, is not going to do us any good. But for four days, well, we're not going to work on Sabbath. So we can work there on Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Praise the Lord. God is providing. And every time we would have good news, we say praise the Lord. Like, for example, You know, we we cut off all our utilities because we don't want to be paying utilities. We're not going to be in the office. And like the water company says, you know what? We're going to just put a hold we're not going to charge you. Praise the Lord. And every time we got bad news, what do you think we said? Praise the Lord Lord anyways. Our insurance company paid for laptops. So we got four or five free laptops to use because now we're going to have to have a portable system to see our patients. And so we were only closed down for about a week. We were able to move all our systems into this other office thanks to the generosity of my landlord and God's blessings. And we are immediately able to start seeing patience. Now, I wanna share this, point number three. You don't wanna miss this. How to lose the blessings of the trial. Read this quote with me. Thus God desired to teach him a lesson of trust, but they murmured and complained, crying out in distrust. What shall we drink? Do we not too often, like the Israelites, forget God and by murmuring and complaining lose the blessing of the trial? Do you know what this quote is telling me? When God sends you a difficulty or trial, He has a blessing in store for you. I shudder to think how many of times that I lost out on the blessings that God had in store for me because I was murmuring and complaining and not willing to trust in Him. Well, I'm older now. And so I've learned from my mistakes. And so all I wanted to do, no matter what, even though I could not see the future, I could see no good thing that could come out of this. Can you guys see one good thing that could come out of this, of my office being flooded and me being shut out of the office for months? Can you think of one thing? I could not think of a single positive thing that could come out of this. Why, Lord? Why are you making good? But you know what? We just praised God. And we thanked Him anyways. Now... A friend of mine messaged me. He's a dentist. He's on the east side of Washington. Hi, Calvin, are you in your office this week? Wanted to ask if you or someone you know may be available and willing to help out pro bono, that means free, a missionary from Albania. I am willing, but she will be coming from Olympia, Washington for two fillings. It'll be a five to six hour drive for her. It's someone that Denise Beatty knows, a friend. I met at one of Amen clinics. Let me know either way, thanks. So when I got this message, The first thing that comes to my mind is, I love helping people, but this is not the best time to help somebody. I'm only open three days a week right now because we're not seeing people on Sabbath. Sundays we are only open a little bit more than half a day because I don't want to make my staff work on Sunday. So immediately I was like, right now it's really difficult. I'm just struggling to get all my patients to get them into my office. And as I was thinking this, a story came into my mind. Can anyone guess what story came into my mind? That's right, Elijah. Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. If anyone had a good reason not to help somebody, it would have been that widow. She's got her last little bit of morsel of food and water for her and her son before they die. I think anyone would understand. Now, on the flip side, it is your last meal anyways. You're going to die either way. But you know what? She did the right thing. And God blessed her in a very special way. Not only did their food and water not run out, look at the legacy that she left behind. Over how many years ago was that? We're still sharing and talking about this story. And as soon as that story came into my mind, I was rebuked. Because see, we all like to help people. Helping people is easy. It's not difficult to help people. Because you feel good when you help people. However, Are we willing to help people when it's inconvenient when it's difficult for us and so that was a lesson see when you go through a trial one of the things that i'm praying is i want god to teach me the lessons that he wants me to learn quickly the israelites were slow to learn how long did they have to pay 40 years i don't want to be going through this mess for 40 years so when i go through a trial i'm praying god please whatever you want to teach me help me to learn my lessons quickly so, my off, the landlord's office manager sent me this message. Here's our policy. I spoke with our claims adjuster again. He's adamant that we have no liability. He said that regardless if there was or wasn't intent involved, that the lease is specific about responsibility. He also stated that per the lease, if your insurance refuses to pay, that you are still accountable for the repairs. I hope your insurance company comes through for you. Thank you for the info, Marcy. Praise the Lord. I'm a renter. I don't own that building. I had a policy for $120,000 to cover my equipment and furniture in case there was damage like this. 120 dollars should cover it. I didn't know that the lease was written in such a way that I'm responsible for any damage to the building even though I don't own the building. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I contacted my brother-in-law who is the CEO of a big company, quite the businessman. He says, leases are often written this way. It makes sense. If you own the building, why don't you put the onus and responsibility on your renter? I didn't know this. Now, I'll be honest with you. I probably skimmed the lease. I didn't really read the lease. All right? And in my defense, my landlord who gave me the lease, he didn't really read the, le- he didn't really read the lease either, he told me, because he just inherited the lease that he got when he bought the building from the previous landlord, okay, who was the original... Owner of the buildings and I have a good relationship with my landlord now the thing is I will also mention since then I've gone through a class about leases contracts unless you have an attorney read that thing you won't be able to read and understand that stuff either anyways they've got such fine language in there if they want to kick you out of the building they'll figure out a way to kick you out some other organization like Starbucks wants to come and they're gonna pay more rent they'll figure out a way to get you out of there okay so anyways I didn't know that and now I'm responsible for potentially another hundred dollars to $120,000 worth of damage. My office is paid off. My home is paid off. We're out of debt. No, my home wasn't paid off at that time. But the office, I don't have any office debt. I don't understand. You know, the Bible tells us that the borrower is servant to the lender. The Bible encourages you to be out of debt. I'm out of debt. Now I might have to go back into debt? Praise the Lord. Worst case scenario, I'm going to have to get a loan from a bank. To cover the cost because i don't have another cool hundred thousand dollars sitting around just sitting around for a flooding event does anyone else have that kind of money sitting around maybe some of you do but i don't so either way what are we going to do praise the lord thank him anyways so the blessing of the trial i'm going to tell you what happened my insurance agent calls me out of the blue and he said, did you know that you have a double policy? I said, what do you mean a double policy? Why would I have a double policy? Do you get a double policy on your car when you get car insurance? For those who own a home when you get renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance, do you get a double policy? Why would I have a double policy? He goes, you have a double policy. You're covered for $240,000. I'm just like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. I was just in awe of God's goodness. How does this happen? Now I really hate when people tell you stories about how God provided and your whole school debt was paid off and they never tell you how it happened. So I'm going to try and tell you what I think happened. About a month and a half before this, I got an insurance bill to my office in Olympia. I'm the kind of guy, I don't look at my bills. My office manager usually takes care of that stuff, and I'm, I, I'm more the guy, I see the bill, I just kind of pay the bill, and I don't kind of look through everything like some people do. It's just my personality. But for some reason, I actually skimmed through the insurance policy, and on there, for the inside physical address, it said Chehalis. You see that other address? That was my previous dental office that I had sold over a year ago to my associate. When you sell an office, you. Just you shut down all the bills, you cut off all ties because you don't want to be paying bills. And when I saw that the physical address was from my other office, I made sure to call the insurance company and let them know that's not the right address. Insurance companies care only about one thing what do they care about? Premiums, premiums and making money. That's all they care about. And they will nail you on a technicality. So I called them and I let them know, and I found out later they actually charged me money to switch my address. What I think happened is that that was an insurance bill for my other office. How did it end up at my current office? I can only praise God for that. See, did God know that this was gonna happen a month and a half before? No, God knew this was gonna happen 10,000 years before this even occurred. And He had already arranged everything, so I had a double policy. I was blown away. You know how much all this water damage ended up costing us? The whole thing was 200 and $20,000. God handed me a check for $100,000. Our office was outdated. It needed a remodel. Do you know how difficult it is to remodel your dental office? Let me tell you what you normally do. Justin knows. That's why he's laughing. You have to shut down your office for three weeks, and you have to hope that you have a good contractor like Justin who's going to get everything done within those three weeks. And does construction ever finish on time? No and you have to hope everything goes just right so you can see your patients again. It gets really challenging. Do you know how long we were shut down for because of this flooding incident? We were shut down for over five months. From December Christmas time until June, I didn't even get back in for five months. So we had all the time in the world for the contractors to do a beautiful job. New carpet, new paint, New cabinets. All our cabinets got torn out. Insurance paid for all brand new cabinets. I got $50,000 worth of new dental chairs and equipment. My chairs were old. They were like 25 plus or so years old. God just gave us a complete operatory package for all the operatories for free. We were just in awe of God. Before, I was thinking, what good could come out of this flooding? During this time, remember, we worked Friday, Sunday, and Monday. I had Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off. I've never had that before. I got really used to it. It was nice having Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off, a midweek break every week. Insurance was covering our overhead, so if we didn't make enough money, the insurance would cover it. But you know what's the wildest thing? That year, half the year, we were in another office, right, because of the flooding? Our highest month of production was while we were in that other office. How does God do that while working only basically less than three days a week? God can do that. It was incredible. When I look back, even right after this, if I had to go through this whole situation all over again, I would gladly go through this. I got to work less, and I got a I got a brand new office. Courtesy of God. Okay? You cannot outgive God. And he is worthy to be praised. And even though we cannot see what's coming up ahead, we want to thank him regardless. Now, what if I had been murmuring and complaining the whole time? Because that would have been normal to do. Why did God allow my office to get flooded? What would God have done? I don't know. What if I would have missed out on all these blessings? Or what if God didn't provide some miracle like this? What if I had to go get a bank loan for $100,000? i would like to think that I was still praising and thanking God. But, you know, through this experience, God is building our faith for my wife and I. Now, the reason why this is important is that this affects our witness. One of my hygienists wrote something on Facebook about just seeing how we were handling the situation. Because if the world is seeing us murmuring and complaining like the rest of the world, why would they want what we have? So it's important in the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we are witnessing to the world. Now, I wanna include this part. Praise and thanksgiving is like tithing. Why is it like tithing? If you're you're used to giving God praise and thanksgiving for the little things, then when when the big and the difficult things happen, it will be easy to give praise and thanksgiving. But if you're not used to thanking God, Lord, thank you for this food, Thank you for all the friends you've given me. Thank you for the beautiful weather outside. If you're not used to the little things, when you have the big test come, you're going to struggle to give thanks and praise. See, if you're not used to giving tithe when you're only making $10 an hour, wait till you sell your first house and your tithe check might be $10,000, $20,000, $50,000. You're going to struggle giving that tithe. Here's a litmus test. If you're struggling to give tithe, that should be an indicator of where your faith is. Writing a tithe check should be no more difficult than writing a rent check, okay, because we're returning this money back to God. So you have to practice when it's easy so that when the difficult times come, it will also be easy. Now, when this tithing topic comes up at church, invariably, almost always someone asks this question, do we tithe on the net or do we tithe on the gross? I always hated that question. And I always hated the pastor's answer. You know what the pastors usually will almost always say? What's their answer? Okay. Oh, yep, yep. No, that's not what they say. That's not what they say. Let me tell you what the pastors usually say. We got a good pastor here. The pastors usually say, it's between you and the Lord. That's what they say. And I thought, that's just a horrible answer. But I just, I, I, I've just come to sense... Realize, and I've been disabused that that's a horrible answer. That's actually a really good answer. I realize that pastors are a lot wiser than I am, and they're giving a good answer. It's really between you and the Lord. And Pastor Skip gave away the answer because the question is, what do you want? Do you want the net blessings or do you want the gross blessings? And I'll tell you what I want. I want the gross blessings. You can't outgive God. Now, can you guys think of the quintessential story in the Bible of praise and thanksgiving. What's the story? It's in the New Testament. What's the story that comes to your mind? Paul and Silas. They're doing the Lord's work. They're spreading the gospel. And now they're locked up with their feet in stocks. Could you imagine how uncomfortable that must be? If anyone had a right to complain, it'd be these guys and what are they doing? They're singing what? Praises and hymns and praising the Lord. And you all know the story. God wrought an incredible miracle. There's an earthquake. Prison doors are opened. And now all of a sudden, as a result, the jailer is like, what must I do to be saved? My family and I, what do we do to be saved? Incredible. You and I, we are on the borders of the Jordan River. We are so close to the promised land. And I hope that you and I don't miss out on the blessings that God has in store for us because just like the Israelites of old, does history repeat itself? Are we any different as a church today? We're still murmuring and we're still complaining. And so I want, you to, I want to encourage you that even though when you can't see anything, you can't see the future, you have no idea. What are God's four most oft-repeated commands, everybody? The first one was, fear not. Number two, give praise, give thanks, and fourth, rejoice, be happy. All right. Thank you. You guys have been wonderful.
1: God bless you all.